Ephesians chapter. Something wrong? Oh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, baby Hunter has been born as well. Marianna Alex had that baby too. So. <laughs> yeah. We are growing the natural way. So. <laughs> yeah. Alex. <laughs> yeah. Alex Jr. Yeah, Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Some years ago, I had uh, the privilege to give the invocation at a luncheon at the VBC. And while I was at this luncheon, I had a great conversation with one of our local elected officials. Uh, This person has been in public service for 20 plus years now. And he told me that the Lord God called him out of a sales rep job to join the arena of public service. And his his sales job was nice. It paid him well. But he was sensing a call to public service. So he started making plans to to run for a particular office that only paid $30,000 a year at the time. This was going to be a, a, a sacrifice, a significant sacrifice, a significant pay cut for him to pursue this call. But the pay cut didn't stop him. He kept moving forward to pursue the call. Eventually, this elected official told his father about his decision to run for public office. And this is what his father said to him. Son, you're going to quit a six-figure job for one that only pays 30000 a year? Are you sure you want to do this? Yes, Dad, I'm sure. The father responded to his son with these words. I could not be more proud of you, son, for money can't buy happiness. That's an amen statement. Those encouraging words gave this man the empowerment to move forward with the call. He, he, he told me that these, those words from my father gave me what I needed. His father spoke a blessing over his son's decision to run for public office. I could not be more proud of you, son. This father's words are an example of a father's blessing. A father's blessing. Former NFL pro Bill Gates says, a father's blessing always involves a hug and a kiss. Not a kiss of abuse, but a kiss of blessing. And there's a vast difference. There's a vast difference. A father's blessing always involves a hug and a kiss. And a father's blessing is what I want to talk about this morning. All believers, if you are a Christian today, you have a father's blessing from God. If you have saving faith in Jesus, then God is your father. He is your father. Not an imaginary father, your real father. The late Jared Packer says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child, having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Do you understand Christianity? 
Do you know what it means to have God as your father? He's a good, good father. And he gives a father's blessing to all of his sons and daughters. And that father's blessing is what I'm going to talk about in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Here is God's word to his beloved. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have a redemption through, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose which he sets forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Please pray with and for me, saints. Holy Spirit, you are the, um, the, the deposit that guarantees our inheritance. And we thank you for your purpose and your role in all of this, Holy Spirit. And as we come to the preaching of the word, we pray for your continued blessing of the service that you will continue to draw our hearts closer to, to Christ, closer to the beloved. That is him that we need more of. We don't need less of Jesus. We always need more of him. And Holy Spirit, our counselor, our helper, the supernatural spirit that came at Pentecost, the same spirit that lives in God's people today. Help us not to clench you. Help us not to suppress your voice. Help us to hear it. And help us to follow it. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Dana Gresh says, ultimately the Father blessing says two things. In Matthew 3, we see God the Father modeling the Father blessing for us. Christ is baptizing and God the Father comes down and says, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. That's what we all need from a dad. We need to hear our father say, he or she is mine. I am proud. Each of us deeply desire to know that kind of blessing. Do you know this blessing? Are you experiencing this blessing? All believers do. To have a father's blessing from God through saving faith in Jesus. Look at verse 3 again with me. It says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
These uh, blessings are a way that God hugs you and kisses you if you are his. He says in these blessings, you are mine. She is mine. He is mine. The phrase in the heavenly places, it points us to the supernatural origin of these blessings. The, The blessings don't start with you. They don't come from you. We're not the means or the source of them. It is our Trinitarian God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. As a shorter catechism says, these three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. What role does the Trinity play in these spiritual blessings? First, God the Father is a sovereign initiator of these blessings. He's the source. He's the creator. Second, the Son is the mediator of these blessings. The go-between, the middleman, the filter, the bridge. You don't get the Father's blessing without the mediator. It's an amen statement. Because Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Third, the Holy Spirit is the administrator of the blessings. The believers don't lay hold of these blessings themselves by being good and religious. These blessings are effectively applied to believers by the Holy Spirit. And it happens when a person comes to saving faith in Jesus. When you receive Christ, these blessings that I'm going to talk about are yours. You don't have to work for them. You don't have to beg God for them. He gives them to you freely. Second Thessalonians 2.13 says, From the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, through belief in the truth. And Christ says in, in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. No help at all. So that means you can't leave here and work for it. Can't work for it. The Spirit is the one who takes away uh, a heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. This renewing work by the Spirit is what, is what theologians call regeneration. It, it involves giving life to something that is dead. Because before any of you professed faith in Christ, your heart was dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then when the Holy Spirit regenerated your heart, then you receive Christ. Because if that doesn't happen, you never come. God always makes the first move. Not you. He makes the first move. So when the spirit changes your heart, it frees you to come to Christ and save in faith, to submit and surrender to him as Lord and Savior. That process has to happen. And when it does happen, you get the father's blessing. So bless the Trinity. Bless the father who initiates. Bless the son who mediates and bless the spirit who administers. All three are involved in this process. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Dr. Mary Hartwell Walker is a marriage counselor and marriage and family counselor. She once shared a a heartbreaking story on her website about one of her 12-year-old clients. Listen to the words of this 12-year-old. This 12-year-old says, my mom and dad are separated. I barely see my dad. But sometimes he will call and make promises that he would take me somewhere, get me that gift I wanted, something like that. 
But more and more lately, my dad has been breaking promises. And I can't help but cry because he has broken so many. Some of you can relate to this child's pain. And some of you dads can identify with this dad breaking promises to our kids. I can identify. I've broken promises to my kids. It's not loving when I do that, but I have. We all have. But God the Father isn't like me. He's not like any earthly dad who's imperfect and with issues. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Can, any, can anybody stand up and say, God have made a, has promised me something and he has never delivered? None of us can. He speaks and he acts. He promises and he fulfills. And no child of God will ever shed a tear because God has broken a promise to them. None of us can. The Father's blessing of God is filled with many wonderful promises, promises that he freely gives to all believers, regardless of ethnicity, age, gender, or or social class. It comes to all of us because he has no favorites. We're all the same. So perk up, middle child. And God's family, you don't have that stigma. You're the same as the firstborn and the same rights and privileges. He blesses us without having to be forced, blackmail, or con. Do you believe that? The Father's blessing is free grace. Free grace. So what are these promises? What is God's Father's blessing? First, the first blessing is election. Election is a father's blessing. The blessing of election means God chooses who will be a believer. Say what, Pastor? I don't follow. Are you saying I don't choose God? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So what does that mean? It means you weren't around. That's what it means. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Us is a reference to saints, to people who already have faith in Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer this morning, God chose you to be one. He chose you to be in Christ. You didn't choose Jesus. How could something with a dead heart choose something that's holy? We can't. Christ says, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. What does that mean? The election. That is God's choosing. Because if people aren't coming, God ain't drawing them yet. God choosing and electing people is him drawing you to Christ. And it's not based on human merit. Say what? It can't be earned. It can't be earned. Election is is solely based on God's free, sovereign choice and will. Do you believe that? It's his decision. Well, that's not fair, Alex. Well, we're not God. 
Will you tell your parents when they, will you, what will you tell your kids when they tell you it ain't fair? The same, the same thing God tells you on the parent. You're not. John Calvin says, election is free. And it beats down and annihilates all worthiness, works, and virtues of men. It's all God. All God. You see, the Greek term that translates choose means to choose out of, to pick out. Think about that. God doesn't pick you out of a lottery pick like the NBA draft. None of us are lottery picks. None of us are Zion Williamson, okay? Okay, he didn't choose us out of a good, a bunch of good and more people. He picks us out of a group of sinful, broken people. That's what he picks us out of. And he chose sinful people to be recipients of his saving grace. He didn't choose righteous people. He chose sinful people to be recipients of that grace. Is that fair or unfair? It ain't about fairness. It's about God's choice. His prerogative. What's more? There's more. In verse 4 he says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be blameless and holy and before him in love. In verse 4 is what theologians call predestination. It's a term, big fancy term that some of us don't understand. I don't fully understand it either. But it means before time began, before creation, before God spoke the universe into existence, he made a decision concerning you. So that means if you were a believer, he made that decision before he even spoke the word into existence. Is that love? Before Genesis 1, before Genesis 2, before Genesis 3, God chose you to be in Christ. To be your believer. He predestined the date, time, and the circumstances that will lead you to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. He did that. And his decision was not based upon him looking into the future and seeing foreseen marriage in you. It's not based on merit. It's based on his free, sovereign choice. Because if God is God, that means he's sovereign in everything. Not sometime. That means everything. We said, well, Pastor, that's not fair. That's not right. How do we know who the elect are? We don't know. That's why we take the gospel to the nations. That's not our, that's not, we don't have security clearance for that. And that's our problem. We have this card, but we want to be in that level. He says, that's not your level. Your level is to share the gospel. It's my job to call and draw. You stay in your lane and I stay in my lane. Our problem is that we want to be in God's lane. You're not God. And you never will be. You're finite. Can the finite understand the infinite? No, it can't. So stay out of God's business. Stay in your own. Election is his business. Your job is to share the gospel. That's it. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's your job. That's your lane. F.F. Bruce says, God does not give us the key of his cabinet secrets. He does not give you the key 
to his secrets. What has been revealed belongs to us. What has not been revealed belongs to God. Election and predestination are true, even if we don't understand it. It's right here in the word. Don't get mad with me. Get mad with Jesus because of his word. God the Father freely chose us to be in him, in Christ. That is a blessing. That is a Father's blessing. It is a promise. But what if you don't have saving faith in Christ? What do these words mean for you? This It means your life doesn't disqualify you and your life don't qualify you for the blessing. It means no matter your walk of life, your sin, your issues, or your brokenness, the blessing can still be yours. That's what it means. The invitation of the gospel is preached to all people, even to you today if you don't know Christ. Because he came and died on the cross for your sins. And he wants you to profess faith in him. The gospel is still good news. So do you feel, do you sense a pulling upon your heart? Let the spirit work. Let him call you. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when you do, you will get to enjoy the Father's blessing of election. And you will also get to enjoy the second blessing in in Ephesians, and that is the blessing of adoption. Adoption is a father's blessing. The Shorter Catechism says, adoption is an act of God's free grace, whereby we are received into the number and have the right to all the privileges of the sons and daughters of God. Like election, adoption too. Believers have been adopted into God's family before the creation of the world. God adopted you to be his son or daughter. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. If you are a believer this morning, please know God has loved you from all eternity. Do you know what that means? He has loved you from all eternity. Before there was you, he loved you. Before you came out of your mother's womb, he loved you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And he hasn't chose you to be the help. In love, he chose you for himself to be adopted as sons and daughters. You are a child of God. Yahweh Elohim, creator of heaven and earth, calls you son and daughter. Does that move you? Does that touch you? Your sonship and your daughtership means you are in a new state. You have a new normal. You have a new identity. You have a new reality. You're not an orphan. You're not an outcast. The Father has placed his name upon you. And when God sees you, this is what he says to you. This is my child whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Is that what you believe God thinks of you? Do you is that what you really believe God says to you when he sees you? If you don't believe that, then you don't understand Christianity at all. You're still trying to earn favor. Still trying to earn his attention. Still trying to earn his approval. You already got it. How much more of it can he give you? 
You already have it all. Ask the Spirit to help you embrace it. Ask the Spirit to help you see it. One song says, how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. That's what he's done. He's made his enemies into sons and daughters. He turned enemies into sons and daughters. That's another amen statement. Do you think you were God's best friend before you came to Christ? That you and Jesus just strolled on the beach holding hands? The Bible says you were his enemy before you professed faith in him. And only your faith, your faith in Christ is what made you now a son and daughter. It ain't good works. It ain't been a good person. It's been covered in the blood of Jesus. And without that, you are still God's enemy. I don't care how much you go to church or how many Bible studies you go to or how many Christian songs or hip-hop Christian songs you listen to. If you don't have faith in Christ, you are God's enemy. Period. Period. It requires you to come to the Son. As Christ says, no one comes to the Father but through me. He's the door. All you got to do is come. All you got to do is come. Isaiah 49, 16 says, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. That is a promise to a son and daughter. God inscribed you on the palm of his hand like a tattoo. But that has to hurt. There's blood involved in that. That's how much I love you. Your name is there. Psalm 68 says, a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling, and he sets the lonely in families. See, there's another aspect to this adoption process in God's um, king family. It means more than just sonship and daughtership. It also means the blessing of a family. Okay. I thought I had y'all trained, but y'all still got a lot of work to do. Adoption doesn't mean you are the only child. Okay? God has a lot of kids. You're just one of them. So the blessing is also you get a family. You are adopted into a family. And that is a blessing. You are adopted into the local church, into the local covenant community. Paul says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. If you are believers today, you can't say, I don't need the church. You can't say, I don't need to be around other believers. You can't say, it's just me and my family. It ain't just you and your family. You can't say, it's just me and Jesus. You can't just hop for one church and never commit to a local body. The local church is part of God's blessing for you. Do you embrace, do you embrace the blessing? It's part of adoption because you are not the only kid in this family. There, you got other brothers and sisters who don't look like you. But they're your brothers and sisters because they too are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Do you embrace the family? 
And I have an acronym for family, because y'all know I love acronyms. And here's the acronym I came up with for family. I really like it. Pretty cool. <laughs> Faithful and merciful and loving, y'all. Faithful and merciful and loving, y'all. That's family. Can we say that to one another? Can we say, I'll be faithful and merciful and loving y'all? And y'all, with y'all issues, with y'all brokenness, can we say that? Because that's what Jesus says to us, and that's how he loves us. That's family. That's family. And faithfulness and love. And that is the blessing of adoption. Do you enjoy the blessing? Do you? And one issue of our daily bread, Leslie Flynn tells a story about an orphan boy who was rescued from a burning house. Uh, Flynn writes, and an orphan boy was living with his grandmother when their house caught on fire. The grandmother trying to get upstairs to rescue the boy, but she perished in the flames. And the boy cries out for help. The boy's cries for help was finally answered by a man who climbed up an iron drain pipe and came down with the child hanging tightly around his neck. Several weeks later, a a public hearing was held to determine who would receive custody of the child. A farmer, a teacher, the town's most wealthiest person, all gave reasons why they felt they should be chosen to give the boy home. But as they talked, the boy's eyes remained focused on the floor with his head down. Then a stranger walked to the front. Slowly took out his hands from, slowly took his hands out of his pocket and revealing scars all over them. As the crowd gasped, the boy cried out in recognition. This was the man who saved his life. He, his hands had been burned when he climbed up the hot pipe. With a leap with joy, the boy threw his arms around the man's neck and the other men, they, they silently walked away, leaving the boy and his rescuer alone. Those marred hands had settled the issue. The marred hands of Christ, his marred body has settled the issue that separates sinful people from a holy God. And that truth leads to the, the third and final father's blessing, and it is the blessing of redemption. Look at verse 6a. In him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption through his blood. Redemption means to to release, to set free, to deliver, to ransom. Is this redemption from bad luck? Is this redemption from injustice? Is this redemption from a hard and difficult life? Is this redemption from the man and the government? No. The term is used to, to talk to talk about prisoners and criminals and slaves being set free. People who are in captivity, people who are guilty, people who are under judgment, people who are enslaved. In Christ, all believers have been set free from a state of sin and misery. Completely set free. Man, come on, guys. Now, if Nick Saban was up here giving a rah-rah speech, you couldn't sit down. In Christ, you have been ransomed from the wrath of God. But how? Through the marred body and hands of Christ, through his shed blood, through his resurrection, Paul says in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. So that means, do you want freedom? Do you want redemption? Do you want to be set free? Do you want the blessing of redemption? Then Christ is the key. Always be the key. You got to surrender it all to him. 
Not just saying nice biblical or theological songs. He wants your heart. He wants your life. And those of you who already know him in faith, he wants you to rest in this truth that he has finally set you free. That you are free. You put the yoke around your own neck. He wants y'all to enjoy the redemption that he purchased for y'all with his own blood. Your blood ain't good enough. Okay? He don't need help on the cross. It's just wasted. Thank you, DeMarco. Save your blood. If you want to give it, go down to the um, American Red Cross. Don't make blood there. God don't need your blood because it ain't good enough. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The blessing of redemption includes forgiveness. In Christ, God the Father forgives all your past sins, all your present sins, and all the sins you're going to commit in the future have also been forgiven. Can it be that good, Pastor? It is that good. It's too good to be true. I know. The gospel is one thing that's too good to be true, and it's true. This forgiveness means you know you no longer have a stigma attached to you. No distress, no shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. You don't have to walk around with a scarlet letter on your chest as a believer. You are completely forgiven, completely reconciled to the Father. It is final. Even though believers still sin. Our sin is no longer held against us. Why? Because the blood of Christ would never lose its power. That's why. That's why. This is the blessing of redemption. Freedom, ransom, and forgiveness. Again, if you want that blessing, you got to come to Jesus. It's so exclusive. It is exclusive. Christ is the key. God gives you all these blessings. Why? It's according to the riches of his grace. Grace he freely lavishes upon us in all wisdom and insight. Redemption through Christ, Jesus. Because God is uniting all things through Christ. That's part of his divine purpose. Everything is in Jesus. Everything. And this redemption that Christ brings isn't just spiritual. It ain't just about salvation. It's holistic redemption. It's redemption of the whole person. But what does that mean, Alex? Christ also cares about your body. He cares about your mind, not just your soul. Do you believe that? He cares about your mental state. He cares about your health. He cares about all of who you are. Dr. Anthony Bradley says, God's ultimate purpose, work of redemption in Christ includes people, places, and things. God the Father is working redemption in every area of your life, in every area of creation. So please know that all of creation was impacted by the fall. And Christ has come to make all things new. That is redemption. New heavens and new earth. So it ain't just spiritual. It is actual redemption. When you see people being redeemed from, from depression and from from um, any type of substance abuse. That is God at work in their life. When you see broken marriages restored, that is redemption. It ain't just spiritual. It's, it's, it's every area of life God is at work in. 
As David says, I'll believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When you see God work in practical redemption in our world and our culture and our families, you should praise him. Because one thing you should know, the world is not as sinful as it can be. Now, it's broken. Now, it's messy. But it ain't as broken as it can be. Because God is at work and he is working redemption. He is at work. Do we believe it? Revelation 21.5 says, And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I'm making all things new. That is Jesus. That is your Jesus. The final father blessing in this passage is eternal security. Eternal security. Eternal security means once saved by grace, always saved by grace. It means no believer will ever lose their salvation. None. It means sons and daughters will never lose their sonship or daughtership. If someone is truly a believer, they, they will always be a believer. Why? Why can you say that, Alex? I didn't say that. Jesus said it. John 6. All that the Father gives me, come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. But what is he saying? Once saved, always saved. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. That is you. Those are not, I don't give you internal security. Jesus is giving it to you. How much of a God will he really be if he can't keep his people saved? I mean, would it really be free if you can lose it? Would it really be amazing if you can lose it? No. He keeps you. Because his blood would never what? Lose his power. That's why you kept it. It's really good, saints. And that is what you share with this broken world. That is the good news. These are the blessings that you take to those who don't know Jesus. Eternal security is the Father's blessing. In Christ, all believers are safe for all time. And the Holy Spirit is the one who guarantees that promise. Look at verses 11 through 14. In Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, received the promised Holy Spirit, who was a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of God's glory. The term seal means to set upon, to impress upon with a stamp, a mark, to appoint, or to keep. One dictionary defines it to, to mark a person or thing. God marks you in him with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's like a signet ring. And a signet ring is a ring with letters on it. And it usually has someone's initials on it or engraved in it. As one author says, ancient kings used a signet ring to designate authority, honor, and ownership. Christ, the Holy Spirit, is God's signet ring over your life. When he stamps you with that signet ring, he says, that's mine. He says to the enemy, that's my child. That's my son. 
You see my, you see my hand? You see my signet ring? The Spirit tells, showing you off limits. The impression of a signet ring, it gives, it gives authentication of a document. So when God seals you with his spirit, he's sealing you to show the world that this person is mine. The spirit bears witness with what? Our spirit that we are the children of God. This is all supernatural, saints. Uh, you can, uh, here's the thing. As Presbyterians, we are, at least myself, I love systematic theology. I love reading those books, but sometimes we don't leave room for the spirit. We don't leave, we forget that the spirit is highly supernatural and he does not live in, in, in books. He lives in God's people. And if you don't have the spirit, that means you don't, you're not a believer. You gotta be sealed with him. The spirit also, it seals us for distinction. That means all human beings are created in the image of God. Please hear that. All human beings have value, self-worth, and dignity, but not all human beings have the Holy Spirit living in them. Only Christians do. So there's a distinction made between people. Paul says, when, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the one who helps believers live a distinctive lifestyle, a lifestyle that he empowers and equips them to walk in. A lifestyle that's countercultural to the world in which we live. And this distinctiveness is not one of separation from the world, nor is complete assimilation into the world. Instead, it's being salt and light. It's being Jesus to the world around us. Keep in mind, Christians are the only people who are clothed with power from on high. No other human being has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Only Christians do. Do you, do you think the spirit is less powerful now than he was in Acts? I mean, really? No. That's the same spirit that came in Acts at Pentecost. It's the same spirit that's at work today. We just don't, can't, we don't have the eyes to see him. Definitely in the American version of Christianity. Because we like things to be rational and logical. We don't leave room for the supernatural. Christianity is highly supernatural. You got to leave room for the spirit to work in your life. Pray to him. Do you pray to the spirit? Have you ever prayed to him? He's not the C team in the Trinity. Jesus said, if I don't go back, the helper will not come. Stop treating him like he's the C-team. He's part of the Godhead. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and you. Okay, how smart you are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and you. You need the Spirit. Pray to him. Cry out to him. And he'll help you. He will help you. TVC Saints, you can enjoy these blessings. Election, redemption, eternal security, and even this table here, this Lord's table here, is also a blessing that Christ has given to his people to partake in. And the Lord's table, this is not the village church's table, this is Christ's table that he instituted before he went to the cross. And this meal, this Lord's meal,
is given for the spiritual nourishment of all Christians. And that is a blessing. And what happens during communion is highly supernatural for God's people. The Spirit takes these common elements and uses them to nourish all Christians. Now, friends and neighbors, if you don't know Christ and saving faith, uh, I'm grateful that you're here. If you have questions about what it means to be a believer, please see me after the service. I'll talk to one of the elders or deacons, and I would gladly share with you the good news of the kingdom. Because I would love to see you make a profession of faith in Christ if you not if you don't know him. Because here's the thing, you can live your life, have everything in the world, but yet forfeit your soul in the end. I'm asking you, don't forfeit it. Today is the day if you don't know him. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. Today is the day. So if you if you sense something pulling on your heart, please see me at the end of the service. Now, adults, we do ask that the children with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. Now, TVC kids, this is my favorite part of communion because I get to talk to you. And I want you to know that this meal, this bread, this juice is a reminder that Christ really did die on the cross for your sins. It's a reminder that he loves you. It's a reminder that, that when you profess faith in him, your, all your sins will be forgiven. All of them. If you can understand that as a young person, you will have so much joy as an adult. You will not walk in legalism. You will not walk in antinomianism. You will walk in grace. If you can leave this church knowing what it means to live in grace, you're going to have so much joy in your adult life as a Christian. So that's my prayer for you, that one day each of you will come to saving faith in Jesus and get to partake of this meal with your covenant family. I'm going to have a, a prayer of blessings, but I would like to call forward the officers, officers who are going to be assisting, and then we will partake of the meal together. So let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Lord Jesus, we I want to pray blessings over this meal. I pray that you